Hi, this is the Found Life Podcast with me, your host, Tanisha Shedden. I always wondered why so many people have found healing and found their freedom in so many different ways. As a counselor and coach and speaker, I have stayed curious and listened and learned about so many stories of hope healing and perseverance and that's what this show is all about we talk all things overcoming self-love self-help and self-discovery what you do to keep going is something i want to explore this is a place just for you this is for healers from all walks of life this is the found life podcast healing is a journey you are not alone And you got this healer. Skylar, it's so nice to meet you. I'm really excited about talking to you because you do coaching, but you also involve like the body and like so many other pieces. And that's so helpful for people who are going through trauma or healing from trauma. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do and Just what inspired you to become a coach and help other people? Yeah, so I, so I'm an emotion trauma release coach. So like you said, I focus on definitely that coaching aspect, but bringing in kind of a combination of what you would kind of expect like healing to be, but also what coaching is. So bringing that together in a way where it's not just releasing or dealing with like the energy of the body and the mind, but also bringing in that coaching aspect so that not only are you releasing emotions and traumas that have been stuck, but you're also gaining support. And how do I, where do I go from here now that I've released all this, now that I've healed this? So you actually can do kind of that double step of releasing what's no longer serving you, but also knowing how to reintegrate things that you kind of want to work towards or move towards. The reason why I got into this was my own healing journey. So I had to go through a lot of the same stuff of like learning how to manage my emotions, learning about how many emotions and traumas I had stuck within my own body affecting my behaviors, things that I was attracting in my life, relationships, like all of these different elements of life that we don't really realize. And all of that kind of became something I was aware of during COVID when I started healing because being in with ourselves and like having to be forced in a place of no control or uncertainty is where a lot of my stuff really started to come up to where I kind of took a path towards needing to look at those emotions, releasing them, and then deciding like, now, how do I want to, what do I want to do with this now that I'm looking at it and addressing it? That's a short version, but. (laughs) Yeah. It's so powerful though, because you had like this you know, you had your own experience. And I think a lot of people kind of have that and they're like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is driving me towards helping other people with this. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I also think, you know, a lot of people don't really know where to go after they have like these releases or these like really powerful experiences with overcoming things. And they don't really know what's next so what would you just say what would you say to someone who you know is in that spot where they don't know what's next like what is Mm -hmm. usually the next step after having the experience where you're like oh like this is something 
that was big for me and it's kind of relieved, but I don't know what the next step is. Yeah. I think one thing I do want to say is the reason why I realized how important that was is because that was kind of where I was at. Like in my initial healing, there was a lot of release and acknowledge and look at, but I found myself, I think like, a, like you said, a lot of other people do like, okay, well, what do I do with all of this space? Like now that I'm aware of it kind of thing. And I think that what I try to do with myself a lot now and also with clients and the purpose of having that coaching in it is after releasing, after acknowledging, feeling, understanding and all of that, it's really important to kind of think about, okay, what do I want to bring in now? So now that I have this space to kind of allow myself to go and feel what I want, maybe make more space towards actually bringing in desires and goals. It's about like almost conditioning yourself in new emotions and behaviors. So a lot of times the way that that works is mindfulness. I think mindfulness is a great kind of transition step where you're practicing different techniques to be more aware of yourself and mindful of your life and emotions. And I think the awareness that comes from a lot of those techniques is what allows us to understand where we want to go instead of like being stuck in a lot of those heavier emotions. It allows us to balance it out so that when we're thinking about where we want to move into, that's kind of where we can um, navigate in between then um, to begin bringing in what it is that we want to experience. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's just that transition of of getting to that point. And I think, yeah. you know, I'm wondering, I don't know, how have you seen that like unfold for yourself? Cause I know mm-hmm. you, you do have your own story and I do want to hear, you know, so much about it, but I'm wondering <laughs> like, how did that, how did you get to that point for yourself? Because I think um, it just looks so different for everyone, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really, I had heard about mindfulness, like, before but I always thought it was just you know meditation like it was just Mm -hmm. meditation you got to sit down and I'm like I don't want it doesn't seem interesting how's that going to help me so sounds boring yeah it sounds (laughs) boring and I can't really quiet my mind so I don't think Mm -hmm. it'll work um and then for about like a year into my healing journey that was kind of you know I was just healing I was just releasing kind of looking at things and learning but then um I took a mindfulness mindful communication class, um, which is where I got exposed to mindfulness. And I realized how much deeper it is. And it's, it's not about, it's barely mindfulness is such a, or meditation is such a small part of it. And really mindfulness is just this whole scope of a perspective of how you approach yourself and the world. And so that shifted in my thought of, oh my gosh, I don't have to like be overwhelmed by my thoughts like I can actually have like meta communication like thinking about my own thoughts and all of this kind of stuff and it just brought a whole awareness of how I can interact with myself and that was the realization kind of that clarity click where I was like okay like maybe this is something and so I started because I was in the class we we did have to do like meditations and exercises. And so I was starting to implement that into my own like personal healing stuff. And I saw how much it made a shift, not because, you know, meditation per se, but just the fact of 
actually looking at something a little bit closer with a little bit more understanding rather than judgment, which is what I did a lot, like those critical thoughts. Yeah. And you like judged your, you had that like self judgment and that critical. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of people, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people struggle with that. And that's something that's actually new to me because oh. I'm not necessarily critical of my own thoughts, like previously either. Like I'm not like yeah. a, I'm not critical in that way. I'm critical of like the not doing enough or you're not pushing mm. yourself in that kind of a way, but yeah. I'm not critical in the, um, how could you think that, or how could you have done that mistake kind of way? And yeah. that's interesting for me because, um, as a practitioner, like I always want to help my clients through things, but that one is, yeah, that one's a little bit more difficult. It's a little more, um, obscure because, I understand, you know, it's like, for me, it's like, right, it's that meta thing. And I can think about yeah. my own thoughts that way. And then thinking about somebody else struggling with that, like self judgment of their own thoughts and past experiences is just a little bit different. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that and like, how, what kind of things did you use to start overcoming that? And, you know, did you have a specific mindfulness technique that you use for that? Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I think that's one super interesting because I also experience like the, you know, thoughts of like not good enough and everything. And it's interesting that you have like that different experience of it too, because whether they're they're both different versions, I guess, of that criticism mm -hmm. that we kind of with that inner dialogue. But I think for me, um, the biggest thing was I think the awareness part of it, and that seems like kind of, you know, straightforward and silly, but one of the things that I learned about like a key to mindfulness is that non-judgmental um, thought process or like non-judgmental awareness. And so what helped was actually observing my thoughts. And mm -hmm. so if the thoughts come up, like learning not to push them away and actually one like metaphor that really helps. And I don't remember where I heard it. It might've been on another podcast somewhere, but one thing that helped me and that I use a lot of the times with clients or in like thought meditations um, that I guide are viewing your thoughts as like clouds. And so whether it's like your own meditation or just kind of a moment where you're feeling very overwhelmed with thoughts, taking a moment to close your eyes and visualizing like all of the thoughts you're thinking on clouds and watching them be present, be like in your sight, feeling whatever it is that the thought is bringing up, but then watching it slowly float away like a cloud would. So it's like allowing it to be present, allowing yourself to acknowledge it, but then also having that visual of this thought doesn't have to stay here and it's just going to continue to float on like everything else. I like that. I really like that method because yeah, for me, I feel like I can kind of observe thoughts but when you break it down in a visual way it's so mm. much more powerful for to translate that to other people in client work yeah because for me it's kind of just like like for me I'm just like oh that's interesting that I would think that like I am that person that's like oh okay well you might be going <laughs> a little you know what I mean for me I can yeah kind of say okay you might be going a little too far with that one let's think what else or what's yeah. a different story but I like the idea of just well sometimes they're just there and sometimes they just need to go away rather yeah. than, you know, kind of dwelling on it and dissecting it and asking what it means. And what does this mean about me if I'm thinking this? 
because mm. I think a lot of people struggle with that and that's where that self-judgment comes from yeah you know because for me yeah. I it's so funny because I'll judge a, a present or future version of myself um but I don't judge the past one because for me because of just how the level of push that I'll push myself I know that I'm doing my best so I don't necessarily struggle with criticizing like past me for doing something mm -hmm. wrong because usually I know that in those situations I didn't either a I didn't know any better or um I did my best but it just sometimes things fall through or you know what I mean I know that I was trying so I'm not so harsh that way but like present and future I'm always like you gotta get to this point or like what can you do more and so that's where yeah. mine comes from and so when I work with other people who are just in that space of like presently observing you know, their thoughts or their, you know, judging the past or things like that. I think that's a really helpful method. So thanks yeah. for, thanks for sharing. Of that. that's course. Awesome. And I think like to add to that too, while, like, I think that observation piece is, is kind of that step of being able to have a little bit more compassion for and not be so consumed by them. But kind of like you were saying too, I think it's also important that there are some thoughts that might hold some, um insight to them and some you know actual information that's important like you know a story that needs to be changed and so in th those cases if you only use like this idea of like the clouds passing um it might help with being more aware and more compassionate and feeling like you don't have to stay in it but if you don't like you were saying allow yourself to kind of question it and understand it they might just keep coming back where you're going to have to keep going through the clouds over and over again. And so there is a point too, I think, where it's also important to not just see it, but really go deeper into it because it might be a thought that's actually holding you back. And that in that case, the awareness needs to go that one step further, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think you hit that right on the head. It's just... <laughs> what is the level of your awareness and how far, you know, how far are you really able to observe what you're going through, observe your experience? Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of us are numb and we go through the day to day. Mm. And I think COVID woke a lot of people up because yeah. we were working or just like we were focused, right? Like, and that's how our routines get built. We get focused on what we're doing and we bypass our emotions or push them down or just, you know, I don't have time for that. Find a way to ignore it. And I got, I got to work or I got to study or finding whatever mm -hmm. thing in your life that you're quote unquote, more focused on than your own self. And I think yeah. COVID forced people into like a vacuum of self-observance because we we're all like, oh, like well, <laughs> work doesn't look the same. I'm like at home. I'm like alone or like a lot for a lot of people, they were out of work. And so they're just like, oh, like they were having a different experience with being alone and actually having time for those feelings to come up and i think it was really ugly for a lot of people because i mean they didn't know what to do with the emotions they started having yeah. it wasn't just emotions about covid itself it was probably emotions that had been buried from the past that they had not addressed and then all of a sudden you're alone and you have all of this time to sit in it and you don't have anything to do to distract you and yeah. so where does that leave you yeah that was that was a hundred percent me <laughs> like I had to I actually ended up having to move back home in with my family so I wasn't like fully fully alone I, I mean I 
even though I wasn't alone, like a lot of people were like by themselves during COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely did feel that sense of loneliness because you can still feel it when you're with other people. But I was definitely in that place where um, emotions were just like coming up and not wanting to address them. And so my, I actually did try to distract myself from it. So the way I approached that was I would um, exercise a lot sometimes like two or three times a day like if I got bored or I was like trying to uh, eat really healthy so I would look up like healthy food recipes mm-hmm. on, on like Pinterest and like try to make those and then also like fake positivity was a big one too oh yeah <laughs> yeah all like, everything's over. amazing yeah it's okay we'll get through this it'll be over soon but the, the the hard thing was with the having fake positivity in COVID is every time that you say, oh yeah, it'll be over at this, at the two weeks that, um, of quarantine, then it's, you know, the other two weeks and then, okay, mm-hmm. just another two weeks. Well, we're good. Nope. Two months now. And then, so it's like, you're constantly, constantly getting, um, pressured into, are you going to keep this fake positivity up or are you going to look at what's going on right now? Yeah. And I think so many people are not willing to acknowledge things as they are. Um, The best advice I've probably gotten in my life is to like, you need to sit down Mm. and see things as they really are. Yeah. Right. And just be willing to accept things. Because I think for me, something I noticed a lot of my coaching clients struggle with is um, accepting things as they are. Mm. A lot of us love control and especially working with people with trauma, right? Like, feeling so out of control for however long feels very unsafe to a lot of people. And so they will resort to tactics to try to control things. And um, it's not something that ends up benefiting you long-term because you get into that mindset of like seeing things, you kind of see things through a lens that's not realistic and you refuse to accept reality as it is. Sometimes things are just bad and you can't fix them. And a lot of people want to fix them. Um, Sometimes you just have to sit with that discomfort of things being not great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, sometimes it just sucks. COVID just sucked, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's just that way and it's okay for it to be that way. And I think for a lot of us, we have to reteach ourselves that it's okay that things are bad because we are so used to when things are bad, it's like the worst experience in our life. Like mm-hmm. our trauma was like the worst thing that has probably happened to us. And so when we feel out of control again, we're like, oh no, like it is going to right be back. that again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not always going to be that again. And we have to remind ourselves like, it's okay for this to be bad. You know, it, it does get better and it does, yeah. you know, it's okay. So. Yeah, yeah. I think. And going off of that too, I think one of the major reasons that I've learned the reason why, you know, that kind of pattern is so prominent is because like with trapped traumas, because I work a lot with trapped emotions and traumas. And so when they're trapped within us, those unprocessed emotions and traumas that have now become an energy held within our body, because we're still in that place, we're kind of still responding there we have the energy that we're resonating with every time something slightly similar to that feeling Mm -hmm. or emotion that triggers the association we have, we automatically respond from the age we were or the person we were at the time that that trauma comes up Mm -hmm. because we haven't allowed ourselves to process it yet, which is why like I focus so much on like the emotion and trauma release part with the coaching because 
once we release the energy of it, you then have the ability to kind of, like we're saying, take that step back and be like, okay, now I can actually fully see this as it truly is so I can heal from it and see where I can go now. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I think so many people kind of, that's that's where the stuck point is, is those different parts of ourselves and understanding that they are truly not as, I think we see them as like, we see them as realistic observers, realistic Mm -hmm. eyes. And I think the thing that people need to understand is how much pain clouds vision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, so much. And it's hard because we don't even realize it a lot of times because we're so used to it, Um, Mm -hmm. which is why that releasing, it's like, wow, there's like a whole world past all of this that I never knew I could experience because Mm -hmm. it was so like you said clouded we're we're really using these cloud metaphors today yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> clouded by the pain yeah did you so did you experience kind of a release like that on your journey did you go to like a somatic coach or energy healer or something like that what was that yeah. like for you yeah so I started work my the only so I tried like therapies I tried other coaches and nothing really felt right for me so then I started working with an emotion code practitioner. Um, I don't know if you know what yeah. they are. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they ended up meant the my emotion code practitioner ended up mentoring me in a lot of, you know, her techniques and insights too, which is why I focus a lot on that. But so my journey started with all of the like emotion releasing and like looking at how those are connected to things we experience today. And I, I clearly remember there were definitely, I feel like there wasn't like a, like one single big release type thing that I experienced. I think like each session had a very different version of release for me, um, where sometimes I would feel so exhausted after that I couldn't do anything after like the rest of the day. Mm. But I do remember after like about eight or 10 sessions. And I was doing them like every week at this, like to start off that for the first time, I remember like getting triggered by something that would trigger me a lot in the past. And my go-to was always get super, super defensive. Like this is a personal attack, protect yourself kind of thing. And so one of those came up and I remember wanting to get into that place of defensiveness and kind of doing it, but at the same time, having a lot more awareness, like, oh, I'm doing this right now. And so I have a choice if I want to keep doing this, if, if like, cause there's like an ego pull, like, oh, keep getting defensive, keep getting defensive. But then it's like, wait, I don't need to anymore. And mm-hmm. so I clearly, kind, I clearly remember that's the very first time where I can really remember, oh my gosh, there's a shift happening. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had all of these big releases and they're all leading up to me being able to actually recognize this shift that I can make. And who knows, maybe if I had that like coaching integration support after it would have come sooner. I don't know. But that was a very clear like, okay, this is this something's changing. Like I'm doing the work in some form. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. 
such a beautiful experience. I could definitely, I want to talk to you again. I want to talk to you more <laughs> all the time, but okay. So tell, tell us where we can find you outside of the podcast, work with you and all of that stuff. Yeah. So best way to connect and find me is Instagram. So it's just at Skylar Sustin, my name, Skylar with an A. And then my website is also SkylarSustin.com. So all my information for working with me and everything are both on either of those places. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on. And everyone, go and find Skylar. She's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Found Life Podcast. For more information and to follow the show, please follow at Found Life Pod on Instagram. If you want to learn more from me, Tanisha, you can follow me at Found by Tanisha on Instagram or visit foundproject.org for more self-help tools just for you to improve your life. Don't forget to review the show notes if you would like more information from the guest. Don't forget to leave us a review if you love us. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for more episodes.